Well, last week, um, we started Acts chapter 16 and uh, looking at something. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And, and the Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net which is cast into the sea. And, and in it, it gathers every kind of fish. And when it's pulled ashore, it's sat down and, and they gather out the good and put them into containers and the bad and they throw them away. This Acts chapter 16 is looking about this gathering, this unique gathering that God does that the world doesn't define. And, and last week, it starts, we talk with Timothy. And, and the Lord reminds us that from every nation, tribe, and tongue, the Lord gathers his people. And today we're looking at a, a different piece of that. Today actually is, is when Luke joins the story. Luke was not a disciple, so to speak, of Jesus Christ with the 12 apostles. That's not part of his plan. But, but quite honestly, the events of these few verses in Acts chapter 16 really cause a ripple effect for the kingdom of God that you and I literally feel to this day. And it happens because God frustrated plans. Have you ever had plans frustrated? Have you ever, like, done your preparation done your, your gathering of information, gotten everything lined up only for it to not work at all. I remember 2016, July 4th, here at First Baptist. I'd been here for 18 months and, and I was excited because I had just thought, Lord, this community needs a time to gather. I'd done my research on the needs of this community that we live in and all of these things. Money was tight, but the church was, was excited. And so we threw a huge 4th of July fellowship. We rented inflatables of all kind. We created shift workers for everything. Do some of you remember this? Like this was, this was huge. We didn't hardly have a, you know, a dollar to our name, so to speak. And, and we poured finances into this and, and got it all together. And the data that I had researched said this was the thing to do. The date, Americana, said this was the thing to do. Our people were ready and we prayed and we got all of this in in our community of 100,000. And that day, 150 or so church members showed up to work and play and about 35 people from our community. I remember going home thinking, God, how did I miss this? What, what went wrong? Why, why did this happen? I mean, you're in control of all of this and I know you want our community to, to know you and love you and there's a need for family time and engagement and this, this, should have been per this should have been your will. I thought it was. A few hours later, driving up to church and I don't, I don't remember what caused me to, but I came by about seven o'clock and our parking lot is filled with cars it's filled I'm like wait did someone 
Are they having a church business meeting to vote me? What's happening? It's packed. <laughs> and so I, I call a church family friend and I said, okay, what's happening at the church? And the answer is, oh, nothing. Just hundreds and hundreds of people from our community gather there to watch the fireworks in the evening. What? All my time and all of my planning and all of that money and for free. That's like my second favorite word, Jesus and free. People are gathering at church. And I remember in that moment thinking, God, if you would not have frustrated my plans, then I would not have noticed yours. And I remember so we do not do a 4th of July big event when it's 300 degrees on inflatables that burn and scourge your skin. We minister and share the name of Jesus with those who already are starting to come and the community is building. And, and I share that with you because I think we need to look at what it's like to live a life praising God when he tells us no. I mean, when I look at Paul's life and I look at chapter 16, verse 6 through 10, I start to think, God, I want a heart like Paul. A heart that says, God, wherever you go, whatever's happening, whatever you're doing, that's where I want to be. And, and, and if you frustrate my plan, I'll do something else. I want a heart that's so tied to God, a heart like Paul, a heart like David, a heart that just says, God, what do you want? And, and I was reading this week, and I didn't mean to read from my, my journal earlier today, but today you get two views. I was reading in Psalm chapter 112. And, and this is what Psalm 112, I'll just read one through six. It's not on the screen, it's just bonus content. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears God and greatly delights in his commands. His offspring will be mighty in the land and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches, they're in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Now check this out, verse six. For the righteous will never be moved. For the righteous will never be moved. And, and here's what I wrote out next to that, thinking of Paul, thinking of our family. I said, look at God's promise for the righteous. And the righteous just means those who live right with God in a good, healthy relationship. God doesn't promise easygoing, but he does promise fullness. When our anchor is God, the world spinning out of control doesn't impact us at all because we are anchored to our freedom. I thought, you know what? Paul was anchored to his freedom. And, and I think sometimes we think if we're anchored to God, we're, we're like, a, you know, someone jumping in, being dropped in from the helicopter, like, keep the helicopter still. I gotta make a perfect landing. Well, let me tell you something. God calls you and I to be still, but God is not still. You see, he's called you and I to be still before him, but he is not still. He is present. 
He is, he is powerful. And so in that, when we anchor our life to him, he doesn't lower us or keep us hovering above an out-of-control world waiting to devour us. When we anchor to God, he draws us. He drags us around. He shows us the sights and the views. He allows us to see the potency of his hand at work. He doesn't keep us still. He keeps us with him. And that's the kind of heart that Paul had. Paul knew that God wasn't still. And so he just wanted to hang on. Wherever you're calling me, God, that's where I want to go. And in the middle of that, what I love about Acts chapter 16 is Paul doesn't always know exactly what God wants him to do. He's just just trying to hold on to what God has said where he's told him and get where God is. You see, Paul, because he was anchored to God, he was never moved. He was never swayed. How do we get a heart like that? Literally, that's why we gather every week. We literally gather to remember that we are a part of an almighty God's plan and house and purpose. And, and day after day, we go through these rhythms of doing that. And so we'll walk through that the word righteous in a right relationship, that's the key. But even more so, what does it look like, God? How can I live righteously when all that I'm pouring into gets frustrated? How, how do I do that when you keep saying no? Acts chapter 16, look at verse six. We'll read through verse 10 and we'll come back. And the Bible says this. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up uh, to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Trous. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them uh, now a few things I want you to know in the middle of this this is this is key that's the first time you're going to start seeing the word we jump in this is Luke now has joined the crew and this is this is a big deal this is a life-changing world-changing moment but in verse 6 how does Paul get used by God to reach Luke and everything that comes after? It starts in verse 6. Go back to it. Verse 6. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, now the Asia that we think of today is different than Asia Minor. Well, Paul, if you were to kind of think of Turkey as Asia Minor and, and a little bit to the east of that, you, you might think of the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea kind of creating borders of it on the top and the north. And, and really what's happening is Paul is accomplishing and carrying out God's plan. I want the gospel to go out. It's going to go first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. You're my missionary to the Gentiles. And so what Paul is doing is he's, he's being super strategic. He's saying, this is the promised land. And what we're going to do is we're going to create an epicenter and we're going to kind of build this out. 
And so he's looking at his plans. He's looking at the right places to go and the right things to do. And he deduces, it really makes sense to ease my way into not just Jews, not just Samaritan, but to this Gentile world. And what would have made really good sense strategically to follow God's command, to obey him, kind of that aha, uh, I've got it kind of moment, would have been to just go north and west a little bit where there were heavy concentrations of Jews and they were growing the further north you went, the further east, further east, the, the more you also engage with Greeks and Romans. And so he, he strategically would have had the support of his people and he would have had that and what's interesting is Paul brilliant strategist puts it all together says this is what we're going to do and immediately God says no all that work all that preparation and God says your plan is not my plan have you ever been frustrated by that thinking that God when you're trying to be obedient to him is being corrective have you ever gotten so frustrated that you maybe interpreted God's word not in how it is but how you feel in that moment you see let me ask you a question if if you were to tell your child hey listen the the power is out and they were to say, I totally get it. I've seen you do this before. And, and you, were, you were out and they were missing for a moment. And they had hooked jumper cables up to your car battery and were about to stick them to the exposed light socket. What would you say? Oh, creative thinking. You would say, stop. What would you, you say? No, don't, don't. You are forbidden took jumper cables up to the house and the car simultaneously right now now is that corrective or is it directive hey don't do that i know you want us to get power but that's not the right way to do it you see, if we start to see God's heart for his man, for Paul, God's heart for people, all of a sudden we hear this first no, not as corrective. Hey, goof, why didn't you sit still until I told you to move? Why don't you just go camp out in a corner? You're no good. You're worthless. Everything you try, I, God keeps telling you no, it keeps blowing up. Who are you? What do you think you are? We tend to want to interpret God that way, but, but what if in reality... The heart of the righteous doesn't see God's no as corrective, but directive. Hey, you want to know my will? It's not in that corner. It's not where you're looking. Don't waste your time. Don't go against my plan. It, it, almost a no from God at times can be like the dead end in a corn maze. Have you ever been to a corn maze? I, I hit dead ends in corn mazes all the time. Do you know what? There's no sign saying, hey, goof, why didn't you get it right the first time? That dead end road says, this is not the way to freedom. Find another way. Follow me a different way. And you know what? We keep paying to go back because that direction leads us out. It leads us to victory. Church, in your life in Christ, 
Are you giving God glory for directing you to where he is instead of where you're looking for him? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes you lie down and he what's besides still waters. He leads. You see, when, when God is telling us no and our heart is righteous, the, the question is not why, but the statement is all right. Lead me, God. If this isn't the way to quiet waters, if this isn't the way to your plans for my family, if success in your eyes is riches in your will, if that's not where I'm looking, then God, please tell me no and direct me in the path that is right with you. See, church, in the midst of all of these things, I think we often want to ask God why. And there's no sin in asking God why, but it does reveal our heart. Because why is normally I've been corrected. Why shouldn't I stick my fork in the light socket? Why shouldn't I leave my, leave my, lock my brother outside when it's cold? Why shouldn't I fill in the blank? Normally that question is, I really want to do this. Why do you have a problem with it? See, that's, that's not about being right with God. I think there's some maturity in saying, God, if you desire to let me know, I'm good. But it's not about correcting what I'm doing because I'm living right with you. It's about obedience and following where you lead. So God, if now is, is the time when you're calling me to fill the blank, it's not about why, because I'm not the sinner. It's about you. So you just show me where to go. Church, a righteous heart interprets no through an act of obedience. God, it's time to retire. No. What do you mean, no? <laughs> God, I think this move is best for my family, fiscally and whatever. No. Do you say why or do you say, okay, God, show me then your plan? A right heart interprets no, not as corrective, but as directive. And it's not just once. Look in verse six, seven and eight. The Bible says it this way. And then they came to Mysia and attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Trous. Think about this. So, so Paul was told no. So he came up to Mythia and he wanted to go to Bithynia. Now Bithynia, if you can imagine, is kind of that northern edge of Turkey. It's super saturated. Roman has come in there really hard. And so Paul's saying, I got it. You, you don't want me to start with my plan. So I want to, you want me to go where the ratio maybe is reversed. Let me go up here. There's some heavy Gentile concentrations here. And what does God say? No. You see, I think a righteous heart interprets God's no differently than a heart that's unrighteous or trying to figure out themselves. See, Christy and I, when we first got married, this is, this is free marital advice for everyone. We had to buy our first pair of shoes as a married couple. And the first door that we walked in, she tried on, and I said, well, how are they? And she said, well, they're fine. And as a guy, fine means let's get out of the mall. <laughs> and she takes them off and she says, thank you. She said, but I want to go try some others on. I'm thinking, well, they're fine. 
She's like, yeah, but I'm not sure. So then we go all the way around the mall and she tries on shoes and just says, nope, 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 nope. However long later, I won't exaggerate, I don't remember. We go back to the store we started at and she goes, yep, those are the ones I want. So you have two responses, men, to that. You can, you can be crushed. Like, you have wasted all of my time. You have made me walk around the mall with you. Now remember, when you were engaged, you were like, oh, time, what's that? You're around. More time with you. And it was free, didn't cost anything. Got to hold your hand for an hour. But it's crushing when it's about me, right? It's about my time. My feet hurt, now I need a pair of shoes, right? But when your heart is right, it's not crushing, it's clarity, isn't it? It's clarity. I, I now can, can go buy my wife's shoes without her input because I know her. God's given me insight into her. If it's all about me, if my heart's not right with my wife, then it's crushing. But if I'm in a right relationship with her, it's clarity. For Paul, walking in a right relationship with God, he doesn't walk away from this moment crushed. He walks away with clarity. God has repeated himself again. That's not where I want you to go. That's not where I want you to go. Paul doesn't say, fine, I quit, God. He knows scripture. When God repeats himself, he's honing in. He's declaring certainty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God is set apart. He is set apart. He is set apart. There's none like him. You should know this. Repetition isn't crushing, it's clarity. I mean, think about the times when God has revealed things to Joseph and Pharaoh. God's given you this dream twice. Why? Because it will certainly happen. When, when uh, Daniel is interpreting the dream and, 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 and the hand writes on the wall, mine, mine, tikal parsons. Mine, mine, repeated twice means certainly, certainly. God has said it twice because this is his will. Church, when God tells you no multiple times, if it's all about you, it's crushing. But if your heart is right with God, it's clarity. So here's the, the thought I want you to think. How many times have you prayed to God Almighty for direction and clarity and you have not given him glory because he said no and you were crushed by his correction and you completely missed the God who you have been begging to show you, to guide you, to lead you, to speak to you completely missed it church in the middle of God's plan we have to realize that our relationship with him being right with him is not like working with a co-worker or a peer Isaiah chapter 40 one of my most favorite passages of scripture two verses out of that remind us of who we are in a right relationship with verse 12 and 13 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? And what man shows him his counsel? You see, God does not require my direction. And God does not require me to give him clarity on what my heart wants or what's driving me. You see, the one you are in a right relationship with who is telling you no and no and no doesn't hate you. He loves you and he's telling you. You want me to guide you? I'm telling you no. God, my heart is right. I know. That's why, that's why I'm talking to you. But God, this plan looks like it would work out. It seems like it would make sense. No. No. Don't you love the people of Asia? Don't you love the people of northern Turkey? Of course I do. I don't need your counsel. Where were you when I made the world? Do you want to be in a right relationship with me? Or are you trying to make me so small that I would need your counsel? When God says no, our heart should say yes. Yes, God. I don't understand it, but I trust you. Verse 9 and 10 say it this way. After they went to Troas, Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Not until he got there, not until he had abandoned his other dreams. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come to Macedonia to help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we, here he is, Luke joined the story. We sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Church, I want you to know, when you, in a right relationship with God, keep following him after he says no and no and no, when he reveals his plan to you, when he shows you his direction, it is not coincident, it has always been his mission. It has always been the mission. If Paul would have fought against God, it, he wouldn't have run into Dr. Luke, who would pin the testimonies of the gospel, who would, who would scribe the walk of the early church. Paul is not supposed to save the world, Jesus is. And God knew that Paul was a part of his family and that there was a man named Luke who needed to be a part of the story too. And this opens the gateway. See, this doorway to Macedonia is Europe. It's taking the gospel into the heart of the European core center 
The mission of God was about the kingdom, a net cast into the sea that in its net would gather up all kinds of fish, not just variants of one kind of fish, all kinds of fish, some that seemingly had nothing in common with each other. And when the time is right, God will pull that net and he will sort out those who are right, good with him and those that are not. Paul knew this. So the no's weren't crushing. The no's weren't corrective. They were clarity. And the Bible says after the Lord said, gave this vision to Paul, that Paul did something amazing. It says, we immediately got up. Why? Because we concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The word concluded in Greek, the definition is simply Paul put two and two together. <laughs> if you had a map, okay, God, you didn't want me here. You didn't want me here. I'm standing here. And you have a guy in a vision from over here saying, come this way. I think you're telling me to go that way. Church, God is not a God who is hiding from you. He is a God who is calling you on his mission. And the question is, are you living right with him? Your heart will tell you. If you, if you keep getting frustrated because he keeps saying no and correcting this and crushing this dream, your heart needs to repent. An evangelist named G. Campbell Morgan wrote these words. Oh, to go not where I may choose, even my, by my love of the Lord, but where I'm driven by the Lord's command. Circumstances of difficulty are opportunities of faith. And the measure of perplexity and service in Christian life is the measure of our opportunity. So let's follow the gleam. Through the darkness, though darkness threatened to envelop, let us be true to the inward monitor. And in being true, if we become suddenly ill and it prevent us to follow, then let us rest in the Lord in the darkness. And know that the shortest way to Troas may be in opposition to the inclination of our hearts. Because it is better to go to Trous with God than to be anywhere else without him. Father God, we love you. Lord, we know today that it is in following your plan, God, that we find our way home. Lord, I know this room is filled with people who are getting told no a lot. Lord, I stand here knowing the same is true for me. So God, let my life be right with you so that I can see your direction, so that I can gain clarity about the mission you have called us to. Lord Jesus, I know there are men and women in this room that claim the name of Christ who are frustrated, God, with your lacking of communicating with them. Father God, would you open their heart? Would you let their heart repent and bow before the God who does not need their counsel?
so that they can see your direction and, and they can hear your clarity. Father God, if there are those in this place or watching online that don't know you, they, they can't live with such direction. They can't get that clarity because they are in correction. They are not right with you. So Lord Jesus, would you let the gospel be heard by them right now? That through the name of Jesus Christ, the plan of God came into place to offer life where darkness prevailed. And that it was your plan, oh God, that they would confess Jesus is Lord and they would abandon the sin of their life so that they could be a part of your mission. Lord, you invite them freely today to lay it all down. In Jesus' name, amen.